Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. In August 2000, WCW Thunder was cancelled, kinda. I mean, while the show would still air, any individual and separate tapings were thrown off a bridge because World Championship Wrestling was losing so much money and they needed to plug the leak. I mean, WCW's second show had been around since January 1998, but everybody here was so panicked they were just doing whatever they had to do, including consolidating. If you know anything about business, as soon as you start to consolidate, you're probably going to end up in a bad place. The roster was told before what we're going to talk about today on Retro Ups and Downs, WCW's new blood rising. And of course, because it was WCW, nobody knew if they were going to take Thunder before Nitro. Nobody knew if they were going to take Thunder after Nitro. And nobody knew if they were going to do an hour of Thunder before Nitro and then the second hour after Nitro. I mean, can you imagine if they had done that? And can you imagine if Nitro had still been three hours? Thanks for that being canned back in January of 2000. But who the hell would have wanted to go to a five-hour taping, especially when World Championship Wrestling at the turn of the millennium was shit. As was this pay-per-view. I mean, if you want to know why WCW died, just go and watch New Blood Rising. I mean, there are so many stipulations. None of them make any sense. People are just running in the ring. They're running out the ring. One of them just has like 72 referees. And of course, we had Judy Bagwell on a flipping pole slash on a forklift. This is also when Vince Russo, who was pulling the strings, was absolutely obsessed in letting you know what you're seeing in the ring is fake, but everything around it, all the backstage stuff is real or a shoot, but it's not real because we're scripting that too, but we want you to think it's real. And we also think you're an idiot for thinking wrestling was real to begin with. I mean, what does that even mean? You may as well have just punched me in the face over and over again. So you were literally telling the audience, you're morons for believing it first time round, but now we want to dupe you again. I mean, what was the end goal here? Where the hell was it gonna go? I think I almost died watching this show because it's offensive to common sense. And if you want to know how the fans felt about it, they realized it was absolute gubbins because 56% of people who were given a free ticket to this pay-per-view just went, nope, I don't want to go. So their ticket cost them nothing and they still refuse to turn up. So I just presume they stayed at home and played Nintendo instead, and you should never, ever, ever watch New Blood Rising. You would have a more productive evening if you shaved your eyebrows off and then drew them back on, because what have you actually achieved? Nothing, but it's still better than this. It's only gonna get worse for WCW too, because on the other side, Stone Cold Steve Austin just been returned to get back in a WWF ring, and SummerSlam, which was their big pay-per-view, was gonna be headlined by Triple H, The Rock, and Kurt Angle. I mean, it doesn't take a genius. So if you've seen this, you already know, and if you don't, you're probably not gonna believe some of the words that come out of my mouth. But in Canada, in front of only 6,600 people because nobody else wanted to go, it is WCW's New Blood Rising 
and it hurt my eyes, it hurt my face, it hurt my soul. Let's up those doubts. Even with the intro to New Blood Rising, WCW just can't be asked because you get this random music over the top of wrestlers just saying random quotes. So if you go, well, I'd like to be caught up the stories, you don't deserve to be caught up the stories, and you're just gonna get Goldberg going, ah, I'm Goldberg. Oh, whoop-de-doo, now I know what we're doing. Almost instantly too, Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden, and the rest of the commentary team are talking about people doing shoot interviews too, and it's like, I don't wanna be here, mum. <laughs> Take me home. After all that though, the first match is actually pretty good. I mean, how stupid is that? Three count are also involved, meaning they did that terrible dance before this, which also made it the best thing ever. And this is when they were kind of being managed by Tang Abbott, who's also down in wiggling his ass. Honestly, I had a great time watching it. These three were great. They were taking on the Young Dragons, and all six of these guys just had something to prove, especially Evan Courageous, Shane Helms, and Shannon Moore. Because we all know the deal with WCW, the old guard would stand on top and we'd have slow plotting matches. Whereas on the lower card, they were just going at 72 million miles per hour and saying, hey, you want to see what wrestling's going to be like in the future? Well, we've already got it down. Unfortunately, they too had to work through a bunch of stupid rules because they were competing in a gold record ladder match. And now you're saying, what the hell is a gold record ladder match? Well, it's when there is a gold record and a music contract hanging above the ring and you have to get both. And if the Young Dragons had got their hands on the musical contract, for some reason, three count we're never going to be able to record music again like there's only one contract in existence. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, it was literally to be different for the sake of being different. Oh, we usually hang one thing up there. Why don't we hang up two? You may as well put a potato above the ring. Oh, we've got to get the magic potato and then you get a shot at the potato champ. It really does feel like an elephant wrote this. Like we took a pen and we stuck it in his trunk and he just scrawled some stuff on a piece of paper and we went with it. Although fair play to Evan Courageous, who does live up to his name, he basically had a broken ankle throughout this, which you can see is hurting him as we do get into it, but he courageously, <laughs> somebody shoot me, carried on regardless. It is still really fun to watch though, because they do all the crazy spots you'd expect from a 2021 ladder match. Although when Jamie Sun from the Young Dragons gets the gold record and he drops it and it bounces into Tank Abbott's arms, everyone goes, oh, well, I guess that means three count has got the first thing. You just can't keep up with this. It doesn't make any sense. Moments later, Cray just got the contract too, but that also ends up in Tank Abbott's hands. And he leaves. And I think we're meant to assume that he's now turned on the group. But I couldn't tell you because it's not made clear. So again, the wrestling, excellent. The story and the narrative. You may as well have just taken your face and smashed it into a wall. In fact, the sum of the whole pay-per-view is basically equivalent of someone coming up to your face and going, ah, and just screaming into it for 10 minutes because you don't know what's going on. Which sums up our next match, which was the great Muta taking on Ernest the Cat Miller. I have no idea. Down. Now, they never stood a chance because they only had six minutes because WCW had to put 11 matches on the card, which was well too much. But also, there's some kind of story where the filthy animals had gone to Ernest the Cat Miller and said, if you win this match or you let us win this match, you then have to give us a tag team title match later. And once again, I was like, what? What? What are you saying? Former Nitro girl Tigress then just walks out halfway through because she's a part of the filthy animals. And she gives me to the worst chair shot you've ever seen in your life. I mean, honestly, it's like this. You would have just gone, what are you doing? Why are you annoying me? That kind of dinged my head a bit. But thankfully he kicked out. But then Ernest the Cat Miller just boots him in the head and wins. 
You tell me. And then from there, you do indeed go into the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. And over the last two decades, this has caused a bunch of confusion. Because some people go, oh, I thought it was a pole. Other people go, oh, no, I thought it was a forklift. Well, it's technically both. Because WCW advertised it that Judy Bagwell would be on a pole for some reason. But then you get to New Blood Rising and she's on a forklift. And you ask yourself why? And nobody tells you the answer. But it is Buff Bagwell, obviously, versus Chris Canyon. And this is just an overbooked mess. Like, halfway through, David Arquette comes out, because everybody comes out in a WCW match in 2000. And Mark Mann on commentary is like, oh, it's the former WCW champion, one of the best WCW champions ever. So you're like, great. Not only was that a bad move to begin with, but now we're just turning it into a massive joke. Because he is wearing a helmet, Kamek just takes it off David Arquette's head and smashes it into Buff Bagwell. But then Bagwell hits a double blockbuster and he pins both of these guys. And then afterwards, Canyon beat up David Arquette as well. I was like, if I was writing this down and I had to go and tell somebody what I just saw, I don't know if I'd be able to pass on the words because for the whole time there's a woman on a forklift. It also ends with a pin. I thought this was a pole match. The whole point is to get the thing off the pole or once again, off the heavy machinery. But no, afterwards, wrestlers goes and down comes Judy Bagwell. I never want to see this again in my life. It is absolute gibberish down. Somehow it then gets worse because it is the team of Corporal Cajun and General Rection. So yes, we're making penis jokes. Ha ha, aren't they funny? Taking on the perfect event, taking on O'Hare and Jindrak, taking on the tag team champions known as Chronic. And I honestly don't think I've ever been so perplexed watching wrestling in my entire life. Because the filthy animals are back out here and every single one of them is a special guest referee. I can't remember if it was four, if it was five, whether it was six, whether it was seven, but it becomes such a mess, especially when Disco Inferno decides, well, I'm not gonna do any counts at all. And you're like, well, who are you trying to help? Now, the story is that because they had the next tag team match, they were trying to have one specific team win that they thought they can beat, but it never comes across. So you just have multiple guys trying to win, but the referee saying no, and you have no idea why. So it's just like somebody playing whack-a-mole on your face. It makes no sense and it kind of hurts. And then Chuck Plumbo, poor guy, <laughs> he missed the drop kick by about 10 feet, but everybody sells it. And that was that. I was on my sofa just going, <laughs> who booked this crap? The great Muta is then back out with Vampiro because yeah, the one thing that this needed was more bodies. And I can't actually tell you how this ended. It would be impossible. Like I would tell you all the beats and it would take around 72 minutes. But by the end of it, you'd still be like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And neither did I. So just know, somehow Chronic won. I don't get it. I don't know how they were able to pull this off, but I do know the fans didn't care because when it happened and the bell went ding, 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 nobody makes a noise. It is deadly silence because of course it is down. And from there, we go right into a strap match, even though everything else on this stupid thing has already got a stipulation. But you need to have stipulations, bro. You can't just have straight wrestling matches, bro. Kiss my ass. This one isn't terrible either, but nobody cares because of course they don't. We've murdered their brains. So even though Billy Kidman and Shane Douglas try their best, just doesn't work. And they naturally hit each other with the strap because what else are you gonna do? And then Tori Wilson was on the outside and she turned on Billy Kidman, accidentally hit Shane Douglas with a shoe. And then she does another interference. So Kidman hits the Kid Crusher and wins. I honestly didn't care. There was more shenanigans after though, because Billy Kidman actually started to whip Dory Wilson. I was like, oh man, I don't need to see this. When Shane Douglas realizes what's going on, so he takes the strap and he quite literally hangs Billy Kidman from the corner. Billy Kidman is like waving, 
as if he has died. What is going on? What is going on? Big Vito then made the save. And once again, I don't have an explanation for you. And then Reno was here. So those two had a fight. I mean, the amount of streams that we keep crossing. I know I keep saying it, but it's true. You can't keep up. You can't, I don't even know how you would write a recap. I don't even know how I wrote this script down. Booker T then turned up to the show. And I was like, what, it's like two hours late? So somebody better find him. And while he is getting ready for his world title match against Jeff Jarrett in the main event, Jarrett turned up and he slammed Booker T's leg in the car door over and over again. Because again, the one thing this needed more of was nonsense. I now refuse to give the following any more than one sentence. Browned out. Because it was Major Guns versus Stacey Cleveland. They were fighting in some mud. It was known as a rip your clothes off match. They did reap each other's clothes off. And at the end of it, we teased a miscarriage angle. I do not ever need this in my wrestling. It was in exceptionally poor taste. Please let us move on. Although that's not going to cheer you up either, because then Sting arrives. Sting, one of the biggest legends, one of the biggest wrestlers of all time, and he is fighting the Kiss Demon here, who he beats in honestly about eight seconds. His entrance takes longer. So this is what we did for Sting. Sting! And then Muta and Vampiro are back out, and so are Chronic, and they're having a fight. So somebody just goes, oh, you two are going to have an impromptu tag team match stage. I'm like, no, not another match. <laughs> we don't need any matches on this show. I can't fathom it. I can't put it together. I can only assume it was written by a monkey or a goat, or a fish. That's it. A bunch of animals got together in a writing room. Somehow it made it onto TV. Down. WCW then continued this on because they actually went out of their way to take two excellent wrestlers and make their match crap. I mean, why would you do that? Because it is Lance Storm versus Mike Awesome for the US Canadian title. And in no world should I be saying, especially a Lance Storm match is bad because he didn't have bad matches. But this is fought under Canadian rules. And due to that alone, it just falls apart. And once more, you'll be in your seat thinking, I do maths. I'd rather do maths than this because it makes more sense. So I will try and get it across to you as best as I can. Jacques Rougeau was sort of like a special guest referee in Forza. And after Mike Awesome had won and pinned Lance Storm, he said, no, in Canadian rules, you have to pin him for a five count. So they fought a little bit more and Mike Awesome pinned Lance Storm for a five count. So Jacques Rougeau went, no, now you've got to keep him down for a 10 count because that's Canadian rules. And it didn't stop there either. We kept getting new rules and new rules and new rules and new rules to the point nobody could figure out what the hell was going on. And of course, Mike Awesome then gets thrown through a table and Lance Storm gets to his feet before the count of 10. But what did he want here? Nothing. Now, all the crowd go crazy because of course they're in Canada and Lance Storm is the ultimate Canadian, especially because Bret Hart comes out after. He's like, oh man, I love it here. I love my hometown. But if you are going to watch this, look at Bret Hart's face. He may as well have written, somebody help me, I don't want to be here. It was like WCW actively wanted you to hate their product in 2000. That's all I can make of it. Surprise, surprise, down. All of this is like me trying to justify two plus two equals swimming pants, especially because then it was chronic versus the great Muta and Vampiro. And we had a title change. Muta and Vampiro won the titles. I think one guy went, he just did one solitary clap. Out. And there was more interference in that one too, because you can't get to any WCW match in 2000 without there being interference. And had I known what was next, which I actually did know, I would have turned it off. 
But it is Bill Goldberg versus Scott Steiner versus Kevin Nash to see who's going to become the number one contender. And for me, this is where WCW died. And we kind of touched upon it on the start, but let me do my best to try and explain it again. Because Goldberg was nowhere to be seen after being involved in some kind of vehicle wreck, leading everyone to go, well, he's very unprofessional, especially when he didn't come out despite his entrance music playing twice. So Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner start having a match for Goldberg is here and he hits Kevin Nash with the worst chair shot you've ever seen. But then in the ring, Big Kev goes for his jackknife powerbomb, but Goldberg refuses to go up because as the commentator tells us, he's going off script. What a terrible person. He doesn't like the booking. I can't believe what we're seeing. I was like, man, somebody needs to shoot me out of a cannon. Vince Russo then comes storming out because, of course, he has to be front and center of everything. And he's all like, bro, bro, what are you doing, bro? So Goldberg just goes, fuck you. That made me laugh because it was silly. But then Scott Steiner and Kevin Nash get back into it. And after Kevin Nash hits the powerball on Steiner and wins, the commentators are like, oh, great work, employee there. He's doing what he's meant to. What's going to happen backstage? This isn't wrestling. This is bullshit. I mean, wow. Just wow. It was so bad. It was so crap. And he's telling you, the audience, you're an idiot forever believing in pro wrestling. Imagine you went to a movie. Imagine you went to a fight club around the same time. And Brad Pitt just turned to the camera and went, you fools, none of this is real. And Ed Norton, he's got terrible eating habits in his trailer. You're like, I don't care about that. Just tell me a story. The best part, however, is when Majua, who was like Scott Steiner's kind of manager here, is meant to get in the ring to break up a pin and she forgets. So Scott Steiner just goes, get in here, you idiots. And he breaks it all too. Oh, how I laughed. Nobody cares in WCW 2000. They couldn't give a crap because nobody was telling them off. There was no consequences. So surprise, surprise, it's not just a down. Down. Thankfully, the main event was okay. Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T for the WCW Championship, and Booker T retained it after the bookend. There's no point me explaining anything else to you because it was a kind of normal, kind of not normal match. I think there was about 72,000 ref bumps, but by this point, it was done. I was exhausted, and I can't believe, even 21 years later, that this exists. But these guys worked hard. When all is said and done too, the fans throw garbage into the ring. And you know it's because they're pissed off at the show because Booker T, the good guy of all good guys, had just retained his championship. And I would have been throwing garbage too. And I started throwing garbage around my own house because I was stupid. Now I've got to clean it up. But it's just how this crap makes you feel. And this will sum up for you as well. Dave Observer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter star ratings. The opening ladder match got three stars. Ernest Miller vs. The Great Muta got one star. Buff Bagel versus Canyon somehow got one and three quarter stars. He must have been on it there. That terrible tag match got a dud. Billy Kidman versus Shane Douglas got half a star. That nightmare between the ladies got minus two stars. Sting versus the Demon, dud. Last Door versus Mike Olson, dud. That tag match for the titles, dud. Kevin Ash, Goldberg, Scott Steiner, dud. And then Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett, three stars. How many is that? Like five duds, six duds, seven duds, eight duds. Whole pay view, just a massive dud. I don't know whether we do ups and downs. We get a brown down overall. Bring out the worst pay you ever bought. Put it at number one. Put it at number one. Probably wasn't worse than Heroes of Wrestling, but damn it, it's my show. I do whatever I want. I never want to watch this crap again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.